We're in this series, God and Me, and we're talking about the fact that there's this incredible story of God and interacting with humanity. He's doing powerful and awesome things in our lives. And so I don't know about you, I have lots of stories about relationships. There are lots of other people and me stories. And if you want to get a parent talking, all you got to do is bring up their kids, right? And so I could tell you lots of stories about my kids. In fact, I will. And so yesterday, Cade had a baseball game, and so we're at the ball field, and he was catching, and there was a ball that was fouled off and went up and over the top of the netting that's supposed to protect the ball from getting on the other side of the fence. And so it got stuck up there, and so Cade's like, hey man, I'm going to be helpful. And so he he takes his baseball glove, his catcher's mitt, and he throws it up at the ball, and then the catcher's mitt got stuck up in the netting. And that weren't bad enough. Uh, It wasn't his glove, and it actually belonged to the other team, and so now both teams had no catcher's glove. And so this very handsome bald man walked out onto the field with a glove and threw it up and knocked both the glove and the ball off in one shot. Now that may or may not have been me. It wasn't me, actually. No, no, it may have been. I'll let you live in fear on that one, people, all right? And so thankfully we got the glove back. Bryn, I was thinking about Bryn. What story can I tell about Bryn? She, she was this little, like, 13-month-year-old, and we're walking around on vacation in this beautifully landscaped place, and she's just seeing these, these flowers all over the place. And so she and her little squeaky 13-month-old, uh, you know, New York Italian little voice going, flower, 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 everywhere you went. And first it was like, oh, that's so cute. By the end of the week, you're like, I'm going to rip every flower out of this premises because I can't hear the word again. Yesterday, we're at the baseball game, and my youngest son, Landon, uh, as I'm coaching and kind of like watching the game happen, and suddenly he just comes up right next to me, and and one of the other coaches told him, Landon, you're running this dugout today, all right? So it's you, man. you got to keep this thing. So I don't know what Landon's going to say to me. I don't know if I'm in trouble, if I I messed up or whatever. He comes over, he leans on the fence, puts his hand up. He goes, Doug, uh," well, he didn't say Doug. (laughs) He said, Dad. Then I would have known I was in trouble. He goes, Dad, um, Question for you. I was like, yeah. He's like, uh, so do you like want hair or not want hair? Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, well, I don't really know, bud. He goes, because I heard of this machine, <laughs> this machine that can get you some hair. And I said, well, Lena, what do you think I should do? He goes, well, I'm honestly, I'm just thinking of Christmas for you. Okay. So, so if I look a little different in January, you know why, all right? <laughs> But man, I got lots of kid and me stories, man. Kate and me, Brandon, uh, Brennan and me, Landon and me stories, tons of them. And there's a God in me story. There's a God in you story. And God is, you know, interacting with us. Some of you guys are really excited about the God in you story. Some of you are so pumped about it. You woke up, you said, we're going to church today. We're going to worship today. We're going to sing together today. We're going to look at the word of God together today. We're going to get to pray together. We're going to see people who love Jesus. This is awesome. I'm so excited about my relationship with God. Some of you woke up and you're like, "Ah, I guess we'll go to church today. And you're not quite sure how the God in you story is going to end up. You're hoping it's going to be a good thing, but, but you're a little uncertain. And that's where you are today, if you're just being honest. And there's some of you in the room, this is your first time in church, or somebody invited you back, and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know that there's a God in me story. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's not. And I just want to tell you today, I believe there is a God in you story. I believe God's pursuing you. I think he's wanting to do something pretty cool in your life. And maybe you've been upset with him, or hurt, or angry at him, or for whatever reason, you haven't really looked into him much. But there is a God in you story. And that's what we're celebrating here in this series. And so we're looking at, at some of the beautiful things having to do with this relationship with God, but we're also looking at some things that maybe we could grow in a little bit. And that's what I want to do with you here today. I want us to continue to, to see and discover the beauty of this relationship with God and also grow in some areas where maybe we're struggling. And as I said in the beginning, we all go through hard stuff in life. We all have bad weeks. I had a bad week, man. And sometimes that's just what it is. And so today I want to talk with you about what you and I have to do in those bad weeks or months or years. We have to, we have to trust we have to trust. And trust is really hard 
in this God of me relationship sometimes. Trust is really difficult sometimes. Last week we looked at the fact that, man, it's just so beautiful to be near God and in his presence. But what do you do when you can't feel his presence sometimes, right? What do you do when, when life is so difficult that it seems to just overwhelm all of the other stuff, you know? And you just begin to think, like, this wasn't how life was supposed to turn out. You know, when I was writing my story as like a, you know, a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old, or like, it wasn't going to turn out like this, you know? Or at least this season of my life. I'm not saying my life's a train wreck, you might say, but you know what? I just thought it'd be different. And so what do you do in the midst of that difficulty and those questions and maybe some of that doubt, maybe some of that hurt and pain in your life? Will you trust God for provision? Will you trust him to lead you? Will you trust that he has his hand, or his hand on your life? Will you trust him with your future? Will you trust him even when it doesn't feel like he's doing what you want him to do? Will you trust him for one more Mets World Series title? Oh, I'm sorry, I got a little distracted there. One more in my lifetime before I croak. You're going, I know God's big, but that's going a little far, Doug. But you know what? He can raise Lazarus. He can raise my Mets, all right? So it's going to happen. But do we trust him? Will we trust him even in the difficult times? Some of you guys might be wondering if I'm about to create a masterpiece behind me. No, I am not. I wish I could. I am not. I wish I were talented that way. It's, it's really quite sad. You'll see my handwriting in just a minute. But really what I want to do is break, break up this sheet of paper into two categories. This up here are the things we're trusting God for. And this down here are the things we're struggling to trust God for. Okay? And I need your help here. Please don't be timid. First service was a little timid. We got it done, but it took a little while. It was just awkward. So let's not be awkward. Let's just have some fun with this. All right? So Things that you're kind of just having an easy time trusting God for. Just somebody in the room, yell it out for me. I'm just going to write it down here. You're kind of having an easy time trusting God for it right now. So go, go for it. What? Salvation. Okay. Love it. I was thinking we were probably going to get that one. I'm very thankful we did. Cool. All right. Something else. Just kind of doing okay with it. What do you got? Family. family. Okay, good. Hey, we all have family stuff going on. Dave here in the front row is saying, I just trust God. He's got my family. What else? Give me one more at least. All right, thank you for that. Cool. Anyone else have a comment? Was it? Jobs. All right, jobs. Good. Okay, now I want you guys to think for a second about the stuff that you're having a really hard time trusting God for. All right? Somebody yell one out. What's difficult right now to trust God for? Thoughts in your brain, maybe? <laughs> what is it? Okay, yes. Big time. What else? Yep. What was it? Okay, cool. I thought you said beer, and I was really hoping not. So, okay, cool. <laughs> like, probably shouldn't provide that one. So, cool. So here we are, right? And we have these different categories, and some of us are going, man, I don't know. If I were writing the list, which you could have, you could have helped. <laughs> if I were writing the list, I would have put this one up here. I would have put that one down there. And I don't know, man. We got the stuff I could just kind of trust God for and the stuff I can't trust God for. And every one of us have these categories. And whether you realize it or not today, there are certain things you're just trusting God for and you're good. And then there are others of us in the room going, man, I, I don't know. I feel like almost everything's down here. I feel like I'm really struggling to trust God at all. And so we're going to talk about it today. Whether you kind of have an even split or this is really lopsided, I would guess most of us are saying, yeah, there's a few things that come to mind, but man, I got a kind of a big list of stuff that I'm a little bit worried about with God. And so we're going to work through this here today because we all wrestle with this. And I just want to remind you why we have to talk about this, why this is so important. And, and the reason is, is because honestly, guys, we pay a great price when we don't trust God, right? And I think we've all gone through this and we felt this. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus or you're kind of newer to all this. 
I'll tell you what, a lot of us Christians can look at our lives and we can look at seasons of our lives where we trusted God versus when we didn't. And there's a huge difference. And that's why we have to talk about this today because we've kind of paid the price when we haven't trusted God. Well, what does that mean? What, what price do we pay? Well, here's what I want you to think about for a second. Our lack of trust in God steals too much from us. It steals all kinds of things. Like what? Like peace, right? When we're not trusting God, there's just that lack of peace. Like sleep. Don't lie to me in church on a Sunday and tell me you sleep well when you're stressed about stuff and you're trying to control all the things that really you should be handing over to God to deal with, right? What about a clear mind? Isn't it frustrating to kind of live life in that fog, you know? You're just like, oh man, I don't know, I can't think straight right now. And i got to make some really important decisions. And then that stresses you out even more and increases the fog in your life. And you can't see straight or think straight, but you're trying to make a wise decision. You know what else gets stolen from you and I? When we're stressing and when we're not trusting God is, is time. Time we're not getting back. Do you guys remember, those of you who are with us, some of you guys are, you know, you've joined us since this happened. But years ago, we had gone into contract to sell our old building and we didn't know where we were going, right? And so in that time, a really, really precious, sweet church came to us and said, hey, we have all this property, and you guys have a, a vibrant, growing church. What if we merge and we become one church? What if that could work out? And, and you know what? During that time, I was insanely stressed. Some of you guys in the room, some of our elders are here in the room in this service, and you guys walked through that with me. Man, you know I was stressed. Our staff knows I was stressed. My family knows I was stressed because here I'm trying to figure out. We have all these awesome people and God's doing so much and then there's this other church and different people and different expectations and man, how's that going to work out? And the talks went on from, I think it was about spring to late winter and it was one of the most stressful times of my life and I got to tell you, I was just trying to figure it out. I was trying to control it. I was trying to make sure that I saw it from every different angle. And I was so stressed. And one of the things I lost in that time when I wasn't trusting God to lead that was the time, the time I had with my family. In fact, I remember being on vacation and my son, Cade, said, hey, Dad, let's go play baseball. And so he and his cousins and his siblings got their mitts and we were all going to go outside and play baseball on vacation. And, and I was on the phone once again with another lawyer or another whoever trying to figure this all out. And Cade, my son, looked at me and said, Dad, you got to get off that phone. He was so right. But because I wasn't trusting in God to lead the process and direct the process, I lost that valuable time. What about opportunities? Some of us don't take certain opportunities because we're not trusting God, right? Well, why didn't you take the position at that company? Well, I just didn't know if I had what it took. Well, man, I bet if you had trusted God for it, he would have provided what you needed. Well, you know what? I, I didn't sign up for the missions trip because there's no way I could raise that amount of money in that amount of time. Well, I bet if you trusted God for it, he would have come through, right? Just those awesome opportunities that we have. What about relationships? Some of us have lost relationships. They've been stolen from us because we just didn't trust God to heal them. Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? I know it happened to me. When I was a young kid, you know, like fourth grade, I think it was, or maybe third grade, I met who would be my best friend for the next many, many years of my life. His name was Steve Jensen. Really, really awesome guy. Great friend of mine. The kind of thing where, like, when somebody saw you, they knew the other was right around the corner. You know, one of those deals. I still have people. I'm 41 years old. People come up to me and go, where's Steve? <laughs> I'm like, that was 20 years ago, you know what I mean? Where is he, right? And, and you know, I mean, we were just, we had so many interests. We just had such a like, fun time together. We loved being together. And um, even our last names are so similar, his being Jensen and mine being Schwarzenegger. And so like we were just doing life together. Man, we just loved hanging out. And then we got to college. And in college, 
I got into a relationship, a dating relationship I should never have been in, and, and I got myself into some sin, and it was weird, man. That relationship ended up impacting my relationship with my best friend, Steve, and it really drove a wedge between us. And I remember we left for Christmas break, and things were really awkward, and we came back in January for spring break. And I remember one day I was walking back to the dorm, and he and I were roommates, and I see his dad's van out front, and I'm thinking to myself, why? Why is he here? And then I see him loading stuff into the van, and I, I walked into the room, and I said, Steve, what are you doing, man? He goes, I'm, I'm leaving. I just can't do this anymore. I remember, you know, being this cool, like, you know, 19-year-old, tough, right? Two of us just wept. We knew our relationship was broken, and in that moment, you know what I wish we had done? I wish we looked each other in the face and said, God could heal this relationship. We can trust him for that, but that's not how it went down. And though we're buds again, things have never been quite what they were. And I bet there's some of you here in the room wondering, can God heal a relationship? Can he do what I just can't imagine in this moment? I, I can't imagine he could actually pull it off. You know, I think some of the worst things we, we miss out and are stolen from us when we don't trust God or, or just seeing him show up. Isn't there been a, hasn't there been a time in your life when you had to trust God? Like you just didn't have any other way. Like, you know, there are those times we can, we can kind of like squeak by on our own. But then there are those times we are just straight out desperate and we had to trust God. And what happened? God came through and we saw him show up. And when you and I choose not to trust him, we miss out on those show up moments, right? I think the most important thing I could bring up today that, that for some of us, you just need to hear this today. It's a little bit intense, but you need to hear this today. It's this reality that, that some of you will miss out. This is so important. Please hear me. With eternity, on, on eternity with Jesus, if you don't trust him. See, we all go somewhere when we die, right? And Jesus graciously looks at the option of hell and looks at you and I and says, no, 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 no. I want to rescue these people that I love. And so God sent his son to rescue you and me if we trust in him and believe in him then, man, we are rescued from that eternity apart from him, and we are blessed with eternity with Jesus. And that's why the people in this room, man, we're so excited because we have seen this God who's made himself so real to us, and we have put our trust in him. But let's talk about this struggle that we have to trust. It was funny. As people came out of the 930 service, it was just like person after person going, man, I need to hear that today. Man, I need to hear that today. I'm going, no, I needed to hear that today. Like I was listening to me. I was listening to the word of God because I needed to hear this so badly myself. We all can struggle with trust. So let's look at Psalm 46. Verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Guys, why trust God? This is what I love about the psalmist. We don't know who wrote this psalm, but what I love is the psalmist is going to give us a bunch of reasons to trust God. Just remind us why he is trustworthy, even in the darkest moments and even in the most difficult ones. Because he's ever-present, and he's an ever-present help. Now, here's what's happened in your life. I know it, because it's happened in my life. People have abandoned you. A parent abandoned you. A spouse. A child. A dating relationship just taken away. A boss who promised you the world fires you. An employee who promised to work for you forever took half your people and left. We've been abandoned. And you know what happens then? That carries over into our relationship with God, doesn't it? And the trust that we once had is now impacted because a person abandoned us. And the writer of this psalm is saying, oh, I just want to remind you that this God's not going to abandon you. No, he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's on your bottom category here of do not trust or struggling to trust. 
But man, God is an ever-present help. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear. And you want to look at the writer of this psalm in the face and be like, easy for you to say, we will not fear? Oh, you must be one of those guys that nothing bad ever happens to them, right? That's you, huh? Guys, I got to tell you, that, that person doesn't exist. I mean, the Son of God came to the world and lived the life of suffering, right? We go through it. Now I'm about to tell you some things that are going on in my life, and I don't tell you them to complain. I just want to let you know I get it. I get that we all live in a, a real and broken world. And I, I'm, not, I'm going to show you about 5% of some of the, the junk of the last week and a half in my life, and I'm going to extend it out a little bit, but some of the stuff that I can't even say this first thing is like the end of the world. It's just really annoying. So about a few months ago, I started to paint in my basement. As I'm down there painting, suddenly I realized that the sheetrock along the bottom is a bit flimsy. And so I, I cut it open. And of course, there's mold all around the, the sheetrock in the basement. So I tear out tons and tons of the sheetrock down there, right? Get it all dry. I put the sheetrock back. We got the insulation there. We're good to go, right? And, and around that time, one of the bathrooms in our house, we begin to notice a leak. And then we find some mold. And it's leaking down into the very basement I had just gutted and had put back together, right? And so then as I, I, I try to figure out how to figure, you know, what am I going to do here? Uh, another leak starts in the only other bathroom in the house, also leaking down into the basement. And so I got bathroom number one while I kind of like temporarily fixed number two so we can use that shower. And as I'm gutting number one, I put it back together and I hire a tiler to come fix it because I don't know how to tile and I don't want to mess that up, right? Well, the tiler I hired messed it up. And installed it wrong. And so within a week of having the new shower, that's again leaking into the basement. So then I finally talk with the guy. He's going to come fix it. I, shower number, or bathroom number two is now gutted. I hired a different tile guy to put the tile in. He got water in the basement. And so I've got just tons and tons of stress. I've got showers not working out. We finally get shower number two back together. And the washing machine overflows in the basement. After the washing machine overflowed and I got that all cleaned up, I am putting the basement back together because I'm hosting community group in my basement this Wednesday. I'm putting this all back together. I'm pushing the couch back against the wall. And what do I see on my freshly sheetrocked and spackled wall, but another new drip from another new pipe coming down. I need a nap, people. I just need a nap, okay? That's all I'm saying, right? We live in the real world, man, right? My daughter Bryn had surgery this past week. Thank you so much for your care and concern. Some of you guys praying for her, sending cards, and we so appreciate all that you guys have done. But man, she's sitting at home in like horrific pain right now. And it's just like, come on, this wasn't supposed to be this way, right? And that's my 5%. And you get it. You're going, Doug, come on, man. You need a house and your sheetrock's going to get dried. And, you know, all right. There's the other 95, though, right? It just begins to build up, and you get it. You get it. But the writer of this psalm says, therefore we will not fear. Why? Because God's an ever-present help. And I love this because he says, therefore we will not fear, though what? Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Kind of makes my sheetrock issues look a little bit small. He's saying, though the, the worst could happen, we will not fear. You know what he's saying, really? He's saying, when your worst nightmares come true, we're still not going to fear because of this God that's in our life. We're still going to trust. What's your worst nightmare? What is it? I'm not talking about the one where you have, where you're sleeping, you know, like your elementary principal you know, turned into like a killer clown and like chasing you with a chainsaw. No, that's not the nightmare. I'm talking about the real actual, what is the nightmare? Is it financial ruin? 
Is it that a loved one will get sick? Is it that the relationship will fall apart? Some of you guys are going, Doug, I don't have to use my imagination on this. I'm living my nightmare right now. You guys know we've been praying for Gabby Kaba. Gabby's the daughter of one of my really good friends, Dave. And you guys know we've been praying for her. And this poor girl, this poor teenage girl has has been going through cancer for several years now. She has been flown all over the States, out to other countries. And it just keeps coming back. And they've tried all these different procedures and we've been praying and we've been asking God to do something great. And here's what I want to tell you about my friend Dave. And I know I brought him up before, but he continues to trust. He continues to trust. Though his nightmare is being lived out daily, he continues to trust. And he's very real and raw and honest. And he'll tell you on Facebook or you talk to him, he'll tell you, man, this is a bad day. I hate this. This is not the life that I thought I was going to have. But I'm going to trust I'm going to trust. Because here's the deal, guys. Either we trust the the, the ever-present help or we don't, right? Like either we decide we're going to do it on our own and we have no one and we don't have the ever-present help in our life or we say, I don't get it right now and this feels like death, but I'm going to trust you anyway. And it's so funny, isn't it? Because isn't it true that on, on the flip side, we so often look back at what we couldn't understand in the moment. We go, oh, that's what God was doing. That's what he was up to. I was so angry at him. I, I was thinking about abandoning him. I was thinking about taking all of it back on myself. But now I see the ever-present help in times of trouble. And I think what you and I have to begin to say is, I will trust God through my nightmares. I will trust him through my pain. I will trust him through the sickness. I will trust him through the financial struggle. I will trust him through the joblessness. I will trust God through my nightmares. The beautiful thing is he's an ever-present help, and so nightmares only last so long. Verse 4, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. What's this saying? Oh, imagine a city that has no water. It has no water to cleanse or to quench thirst. And God becomes that for you and I in those troubled times. Verse 5, God is within her. In other words, God is within this city. And then it says this, she will not fall. Some of you guys need to hear that today. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fall. God has you. God is big enough and present enough to keep you from falling. God is big enough and present enough to keep you from falling. Everybody say, that's right. God is big enough, and he is present enough. He is near enough. He is strong enough to keep you from falling. God will help her at break of day. I don't know about you, but I've seen lots of movies where there's these big guys with swords and clubs and bows, and when does the battle always seem to start, right? At daybreak, right? I don't know about you. That's my biggest battle. Daybreak. When I open my eyes and the hurt I feel, I'm reminded of it. And the, 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 the pain I feel and the struggle I feel and the fear I feel hits me. Daybreak. And I'm so thankful that God will help you and I at daybreak. Charles Spurgeon said this, As soon as the first right of, a ray of light proclaims the coming day, at the turning of the morning, God's right arm shall be outstretched for his people. I just want you to know when you and I are waking up, God's not like yawning, like trying to 
get himself up. His arms are already stretched out. But Doug, I don't feel that. Doug, it seems like his arm's been pulled back. Well, that's, that's, that's the trust, right? That's the trust. That's the waiting. That's the watching. And then we get to see what he does. It says this, Nations are in uproar, uproar and kingdoms fall. And, and when this was being written, like this was a very real possibility for them. Like you and I sit here in this room today and we don't walk out later today thinking, man, I wonder if our nation's gonna be attacked today here on our property. Like that's not a thought that runs through our head daily. It has happened, right? But it's not a thought that runs through our head daily moment by moment. That was a thought that ran through these people's head any moment. Man, an army could come flying through here and our families will be scattered, killed, taken away. And so he says, Nations are an uproar and kingdoms fall. But look at this. He says he lifts his voice. God lifts his voice and the earth melts. Now God's never had to do this. But if he had to, he could literally speak the world, word and the earth would melt beneath the opposing army's feet. Verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Some of you just need the reminder today that he is a fortress. And he is a protector. And he has you. The next part says this, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fires. I don't know about you, man, but wars and bows and spears and shields, that sounds like a nightmare to me. But are you seeing here that our worst nightmares, our worst nightmares don't scare our God? They don't. And they can torment you and me, but they don't scare our God. And they can only torment you and I as long as we refuse to trust, as long as we refuse to to, to take all these things down here in this bottom category of do not trust and bring them up here, that's where the torment is. But it's funny, I don't know about you, as daybreak hits and I wake up to the hurt and the fears, as I begin to, to think about the word of God, as I begin to speak the word of God, as I begin to pray, as I begin to just get into the day with Jesus, suddenly, it's like he might as well have spoken and melted every one of those fears away. Because really that torment is left when we don't trust. And verse 10 is like it. Verse 10 is it. Verse 10 is what trust looks like. Look what it says here. He says, be still and know that I am God. That's it. That's trust. Well, God, after I figure out the thing, right? Once I figure out the thing, then I'll be still. No, no, no. Doug? Let me figure out the thing. Be still. Know that I'm God. Okay, after the merger either happens or doesn't, and then, no, right? Now, okay, God, once I get my ledger out and I have the whole, like, next 50 years of my life planned out and mapped out and everybody can see it clearly, then, Doug, that's not even what your life's going to look like. Put the pen down. Now, be still and know that I and God, what does it mean to be still? It doesn't just mean being active. It means be still from trying to figure it out yourself. Be still from trying to make it happen yourself. Be still from trying to fix it yourself. Well, then how can I be active in that? You can be seeking him on it. You can be worshiping him through it. You can be reading his word and being filled in your soul as you are still going through the uncertainty. But you and I gotta be still when it comes to trying to make it all happen on our own. We gotta watch and we gotta wait. I was talking with John Contest a couple of years ago, just casual conversation. I said, how you doing, man? He just said, hey, man, I'm like everybody else in the world. I just need to trust God more. Yeah, that, that's, uh, 
That's pretty good. I, I, maybe I'll just say that and close in prayer. Like that's, that's, that's exact, isn't that where we're all at today, right? Just be still. Just trust a little bit more. And then something happens here. This is cool. Something you and I didn't see coming when we're in the midst of our nightmare. Look at this. I will be exalted among the nations, God says. I will be exalted in the earth. What does it mean that he'll be exalted? It means he'll be praised. He's going, I'm going to be praised in all the earth. And what does that mean? It means that you and I are in the midst of our nightmare, and you and I are scared and we're hurting, but there's going to be a day where God comes through and then suddenly... We're praising him for it, because that's what happens. I don't know if you know this. When you're amazed, you praise. When you're amazed, you praise. It's true in all of life. You see a home run, you're amazed, you praise. You eat great food, you're amazed, you praise. Wow, this was incredible, right? The same is true with God. And so suddenly we're in the midst of our nightmare. God comes through, we're amazed, and we praise. And so have you ever thought about this? That your current nightmare leads to God's eventual praise. Like that thing you're worried about and so hurt by right now will lead to God's eventual praise to to all people looking at it and going, wow, look what God did. I know what he was going through. I know what she was feeling. But look at what God did and look at how they trusted. Psalm ends like this. The Lord God, I'm sorry, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What's the psalmist saying in all this? What's he trying to get you and I to feel and then put into action? It's these few words. God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't like all this stuff down here in this category, but I will trust you with it. I will transfer it from this bottom category to the, okay, I'm going to trust you with it, God. And maybe like last week, we just have to add that one word. Last week, we talked about loving God's presence. And I encourage you, I said, maybe some of us need to say, God, I want to love your presence. Well, same deal today. Some of us can say, God, I trust you. And some of us need to say and be real with God and say, God, I want to trust you. I am not right now. I feel like I can't. I feel so stressed and afraid. I feel so hurt and wounded, like I'm never going to get over it. But God, I want to trust you. And can I tell you the heart of God today? God is not looking at you today going, man, what a failure. You got what you deserve because you didn't trust me. Now, God is lovingly looking at you saying, man, I hope you know how secure you are in my love. I hope you know how safe you are in my hands, that I am the one that will keep you from falling, that I am the one that breaks bows and spears with my word. I hope you know today how passionate I am towards you and that your nightmare has an expiration date and that you are safe in my hands. That's the God that invites us to trust him today. And so I pray that you've been reminded how big and capable and present our God is. And the truth is, we don't always feel that. It doesn't always feel like he's as big and capable as he is, but that never changes the fact that it's true. And what's so cool is, I can look at many of you here in the room and, and I can think of your story. I can think of what you've gone through and I can think of the nightmare you were living at one point and what God did to carry you through it. And you and I can look back and go, wow, he's faithful. He kept me from failing. He kept me from falling. He had me in his hands all along. I will trust him. 
And you know trust is a choice, right? Like we either make the, the choice to trust or to fear. We need to trust, and we need to keep on bringing our hearts back around this. And I love that Joe, as he was leading us in worship today, brought us to last week's scripture because that's exactly what we've got to do. We've got to keep clinging to the truths of God's word. And this week, I pray that you'll take Psalm 46 out and you will read through it and you will worship to it and you will pray it over your life and your family and your situations and you'll keep reminding yourself of this ever-present help that is with us. Lots of you guys probably know who Martin Luther is. He was someone who lived hundreds of years ago and he was looking around in his day and looking at the church in his day and saying, man, this church is all messed up. And he wasn't trying to be divisive or nasty. He just realized the church wasn't what God wanted it to be. And so he took what's now famously known as the 95 Thesis and he nailed it to the door and he said, hey, here's what we see needs to change. Here's what God is all about. God's about grace and he's not about works. God's about um, being kind to the poor and not about all these you know, buying and selling of indulgences. And he got into all this different stuff and he got right in the face of the leadership of that day. And he, it cost him. He ended up in prison. He ended up running for his life. He ended up being hidden away in a castle for a season by those that cared for him and loved him. And the Psalms were an amazing source of peace for him. And in fact, as the black plague passed through Europe and his son almost lost his life, he, he wrote one of the most famous hymns called A Mighty Fortress. A Mighty Fortress is our God. And it's said that during the, the dark time of the black plague when his son was sick and almost at death's door and when he himself, his body was failing, he was commonly quoted as, as having said this. He would look at the person that was with him and say, come, let's sing the 46th Psalm. Why? Because we just need to remember that God's present. And we need to keep on clinging to the truth that we can trust him. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series. And I want you to think about somebody who in your life do you wish was sitting by you today? Who in your life do you hope is sitting with you next week? Invite him back as we continue to work through this God and me story. But I pray this week, you will trust. I pray I will trust. I pray we'll take the 5% maybe we've shared with those around us along with the 95% that we've brought to God and say, God, this is you. This is yours. It's in your hands. I'm going to be still and know that you are God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, so love for you to put your trust in him today. He loves you. He's wanting to write this God and me story. He's pursuing you. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, I so encourage you to put your trust in him for the very first time. As I said earlier, God offers you eternal life in heaven with him, paid for by Jesus on the cross. He died for you, he rose back from the dead, and he wants you to know him. The followers of Jesus in the room, let's look at our categories and let's be real. And in this closing prayer, in this last song, my prayer for you is that you will get serious about this and that you'll sit in your seat. I don't care if we have to lock you in. You'll sit in your seat until you have named every single thing that you are struggling to trust God with and say, God, it's yours. It's yours, my health, my family, my wife, my kids, the dating thing, my future, college, uh, high school, middle school, that person, that teacher, that prof. God, I'm giving it all to you. Name it. Name every one of them. Your father cares and he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. God, I trust you. God, I want to trust you. Let's pray. God, we love you, need you. You're with us. 
Sometimes we just need the reminder. God, I just pray for your help in each one of our lives. Life's really hard. And we have hurts and we have pains and we have betrayals and we have failures and we have things that scare us and things that keep us up at night and things that wake us up real early. And we have great victories in low valleys. And God, we just ask you to help us. And we thank you that you are so willing. And we thank you that you are not here one day and gone the next, but you are ever present. And we thank you that you are that fortress for us that will not let us fall. That you break the bows in our life, so to speak, and the shields and the swords. That your word can melt away the anxieties and the fears and the hurts. That you can bring healing to us. God, we know you're the provider. We ask you to provide for families in need right now. You're the healer. We ask you to heal bodies in need right now. You're the savior. Save those who need saving. You're the deliverer. Rescue people from addictions and strongholds, God. You're our peace. You're our joy. God, we need you so much. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to really respond right now and get real serious with God in this conversation. Even if you need to sit in your seat during the last song and just continue to bring to God worry and concern after worry and concern, we invite you to go ahead and do that while the rest of us sing. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I encourage you to pray with me just quietly right now. Jesus, please save me. I want to spend eternity with you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to trust you. I want to believe today that you took away my sin. And I want you to show me, God, what it is now to know you and love you and trust you. We're going to sing in a minute before we open our eyes. Can you just... Look at me real quick if you prayed that prayer for the first time today. Did anybody ask Jesus to save them today? Awesome. That's so cool. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to be praying for you this week. That's why I ask you to look at me real quick. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Anybody else? Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Anybody else today? Look to Jesus. That's great. Thank you. Anybody else? God, we love you. Thank you that you've seen every single person that put their trust in you today. We ask you to do a powerful and awesome thing in each life. God want to trust you.